Friedlander. I've worn many hats in the dance world over the last 15 plus years and have created Dance Speak as a platform for people in the dance industry to share their stories and blueprints for success. So listen up and get ready to be inspired, learn something new, and get personal with the people behind the movements you love. I am sitting here with Maria Lankinen. Yes, ma'am. I almost wanted to write Lankershim. <laughs> I've never heard that when before. I was... <laughs> I've heard Lincoln Log. <laughs> so I thought deeply about your name the other day, and that's my story. If you all can't tell, Mari and I are very familiar with each other. We met while on separate tours in China. How many years ago? Four Five years ago? Four, four and a half, I think. Five, six, seven, eight? Yeah. Four and a half years ago. Well, it's, yeah. It's not February yet. June 7th, Lola and I landed back in L.A. 2012. Lola, who you were dancing with, Mm -hmm. 2012. And you have Yoga for Dancers. Mm -hmm. So you you CEO'd it. (laughs) You CEO'd it. You're a phenomenal yoga teacher and human being, like, I just feel like that's an ex- everything is an extension of who you are. You have microloans for dancers, mm-hmm. and you are a dancer yourself. Yes, ma'am. So you work closely with dancers and get it. Now, in LA, it is mind-blowing to see like how you've navigated. Can you speak to like where have you taught, where are you teaching now, and just some of the things that you're proud of? I teach at Sony Motion Picture Studios. Woo-hoo! I teach at UCLA, Yoga Works, Equinox, Hot Eight Yoga, Debbie Reynolds Studio for the scholarship program, Movement Lifestyle, and I taught for two years at the Edge. I don't currently teach there anymore, but I've taught for The Pulse, for Velocity. Hubbard Street Dance Chicago came to USC this past summer, and I taught for their summer intensive, yoga specifically. I've taught for USC and the Gloria Kaufman, and... Is that it? That's like amazing. <laughs> I'm impressed that you can remember all of that. I wish that I, you know, I, like, yeah. <laughs> and I have you here today for your journey and the making it against all odds. And I, I want to almost look up the text you sent me. But I was like, how should we like position this episode? And you just gave me this well-written like sentence, and I was like, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you. I think when agree in the face of non-agreement, you will make something happen, if I may say so. Oh, yes. And you are a doer. So where should we start? Mm, I guess maybe at the beginning, I think of how I started in dance. And I started, well, I guess pretty late to the party as far as movement goes. But when I was a kid, I always had a pull toward hip-hop and hip-hop culture and this was back when Columbia House had like 10 tapes for like ten dollars and you like filled out the bubble circle yeah sent it in they would send it back to you and so I hid it from my mom and I uh had circled uh Snoop Dogg's doggy style (laughs) I was in like third grade and I sent it and it come in the mail and I went into my best friend lived next door and I opened up the packaging and put in my little disc man or tape player and then I listened to it and so there was something about hip-hop music that from a very early age pulled me and there are people that inspire me from all different sectors of creativity and 
poets in particular are really speak to my soul and Saul Williams in particular who is a spoken word poet and a preacher and a musician and five million amazing things and he had said there's there's a yes when you nod your head to the beat there is an intentional sacred yes oh, wow. uh, and so for me as far as like the, the heartbeat in in your body and the 808 to me they were beating similar rhythms of a song that needed to be together and so I had come up through middle school and high school as a cheerleader and what yeah <laughs> wait sorry <laughs> some are very surprised by that some are not surprised by that at all <laughs> I get it but I just I actually pictured you differently yeah. sorry no, no disrespect no it's a uh, well we were very competitive and so it there is a, a very type a very aggressive toward dreams, personality type in me, and so cheerleading for a competitive team was wonderful because I was able to dream really, really big and work really, really hard for something that seemed insurmountable, and it paved the way of learning work ethic and big dreaming, and when I was in high school, I didn't skip a day of school except for to skip school to study for AP tests, so there's some kind of chip inside of me that well, maybe I have a motto that comes from a beautiful mind when Jennifer Connelly says, I need to believe something extraordinary is possible. And that, when I had heard that, it almost was like the, the representation of my soul. There's something inside of me that needs to believe something more extraordinary than ordinary, that, that we're not meant for the mundane. And it exists inside of all of us, and it's just kind of waking up to that potential. And quantum physics now is getting super excited and understanding neuroscience in the brain but it's similar languaging and and maybe that's also why hip-hop was so attractive in the beginning because there are people that were talking about their stories that were honest and real but also didn't come from very much and created something essentially out of nothing you have cardboard put it on the ground and we'll break on it you don't have a palette and paint well here's a spray can and here's a wall and so it's a, a grouping of people that that see more than what the eye can see but their third eye, if you might call it, their vision is bigger uh, than what the present reality gives us. So I will create something new and better and authentic to my spirit and story. So that's at least kind of the preamble. And when I've gotten into college, Dance to Excess was at University of Michigan. and. They were the best as far as hip hop goes. And I had gone to every single audition every single year and got cut. I was terrible. <laughs> and the very last year, I had actually missed the winter audition. And they had a booth at this thing called Winterfest. And I was working with an organization called Focus, which is Fighting Obstacles Knowing Ultimate Success. It was created uh, by Atiba and Alma, who were from New York. And when they had come to University of Michigan, they saw the business kids hanging out with the business kids, the black kids hanging out with the black kids, the Latinos hanging out with the Latinos, the artists hanging out with the artists. Everyone was in their own world, and no one was mingling or creating. And so they created Focus although they're too big hip-hop kids so they had a, that kind of flavor and I believe Alma worked for Fader and so it had there was definitely a link closely tied to hip-hop narrative but it was also all inclusive and 
so I was working um, at the table for Winterfest where you would, you know, just if people had questions or wanted to get to know the organizations and all the different organizations in Michigan were there. And so across the way, Dance to Excess at a booth. And I walked up and I was super nervous. And uh, I said, oh, like, I, I missed audition, but I... I love you guys so much. And they're like, well, you know, we always can always do like a private audition. And so I had gone and <laughs> the private audition was essentially their rehearsal. And I learned the choreo that the choreographer was teaching. I was offbeat. I was like two steps behind everything. And the director at the time had pulled me aside after and she said, you know, thank you so much. We aren't able to offer you a spot right now. Uh, but, you know, you're more than welcome to come to our rehearsals. So I came early to every single rehearsal after, and there, at that time, they had really great dancers, but dancers that were sometimes kind of flaky, and there was one time where a dancer hadn't said that they weren't going to come to rehearsal and didn't show up, and they had put me into the formation just for height, and by the end, the dancers still hadn't come, and so the director had said, well... Do you, do you want to perform? <laughs> do you want to take that spot? And it was for uh, the very last show that was at um, the Power Center with a thousand people. So wow. it was the place where every dance company, dance crew, would go at the end of the semester and perform. And I was nervous out of my mind, but I did it. And that paved the way. The next year, those people that were the administration and the um, kind of great dancers and also great leaders were graduating and moving on. So they actually were going to shut down Dance to Excess in that chapter at University of Michigan. And so here's this new dancer that isn't really good yet, still is super, super green, but has like such a love for what this is. And so it was in this like very last circle where Britta had even told, it was Patrick Chen, that we're just going to shut it down. There, there really, there aren't dancers within the program because the dancers were graduating or they weren't sure because it was on shaky ground what was going to happen. Uh, and then the people that were leading were graduating. And so Patrick had said, okay, you know, like you guys take a hiatus for a while. And so I sat there this like little, and I am in my bones a shy kid. <laughs> Me too. And, <laughs> and, um, and so I had I'd said, but I have to believe that this is possible. Aww. And so I fought for it. And Patrick had given us like a one semester trial. So we didn't perform in Urban Night. But we performed in, like, not the ball pit, but next to it at McDonald's. Like, essentially, it was Dance for Our Life because we had to prove that we were able to do it. And so it was myself and then Erica Andres, who she had also raised her hand, and she was new uh, on the team as well. And she had said, because Britta said, well, if you can direct it, but who is going to choreograph? And so... Uh, Erica raised her hand and she's like, I will. These two quiet kids that were super new that just had to try and, and believe that something could be possible. And so we had an audition. We had no idea what we were going to do after that. Uh, and then people came. <laughs> and so uh, that semester, we had uh, performed for Patrick and said, and he had said, okay, you know, can you go back into like, being fully reinstated again? And it was probably one of the hardest decisions that I ever had to make after that second semester to leave Ann Arbor because here is this amazing thing with this beautiful family of people that really cares about each other, that we finish rehearsal at 11 or midnight, go to bubble tea, and then when bubble tea closes, then we sit in the car and talk until 2 in the morning. Mm -hmm. 
and being an only kid, I didn't know that growing up. I didn't know what it was to be a part of a community like that. So it was really, really special. And But there was something pulling in my soul saying, you got to go. So I decided to move to Chicago. And my mom had said, it's during the recession. You have a job here. What are you doing? And Where were you raised? I was raised in Michigan. Okay. Yeah. And I was living in, in Ann Arbor. And so I just, I, with a suitcase, I got on the bus and I went to Chicago and the amount of times where I've slept on people's couches, <laughs> but I think that's the thing is that people have shown me such grace and maybe them paying it forward, but their generosity has been the reason why I've been able to get on my feet and move forward. And that's essentially why microloans for dancers came into existence because I was sitting yet again with a dancer that had said this job fell through and this job fell through and I've rented a couple days and I don't know how I'm going to do it and I was sitting with her and I I have been her and wondering how am I going to do this and I thought there has to be someone within our community that's a choreographer or a dancer that has not there has to be there are people that have made critical acclaim and and also financial stability and abundance Mm -hmm. and so i thought there has to be some type of grant or fund or something because if a lot of us have come from that point of we know what it's like to have miso soup and not much else and not really know some months if we're going to make rent and and we do all the work and great get to our greatest dreams and then the finances are also there and abundant as well there has to be something that exists to bring it back to the community that you came from and I didn't know what it was so I thought well if it doesn't exist or if I don't know that it exists I should create it myself <laughs> and so I did and the first applicant is from Chicago and she is going to uh, Columbia and she had said that she she wants to because the arts are especially in Chicago are getting cut and and there aren't as many resources for kids to number one get the training that they need to be able to do these things to be exposed to them but also to not be on the streets and not be in spaces that might not be the best for them and especially with the climate of what's happening in Chicago now and has been for a long time uh when they say the arts will save us the being in the arts and being in programming where you have somebody that's looking out for you that you're not maybe on the corner hanging out and maybe there like there are there's nothing around you and within your group of people that is doing anything awry but just based on the fact of being in Chicago on a street corner in Southside the potential of something happening is there so if there are these programs that are after school programs that can help people learn how to paint or learn how to cook or learn um or even get tutored in math whatever it is that potentiality you're of violence being cut just because they're in a different place Um, and so her name is Kiara Banks and she has said that she's going to Columbia to get education for her to be able to bring the arts back to little tan and brown girls like her where now the funding is getting cut and she'd asked for 1500 and I'd raised $150 and I I'd apologize I said Carol like I want to give you everything you asked for and this is still kind of up and running I also want to ask you how it works just as you how does it work yeah well anybody can apply I have it on my website so Maria Yoga Maria Yoga M-A-R-J-A Yoga is also Yoga for Dancers which is also Yoga for Beyonce (laughs) because I own all three of the domain names yay 
yes. the same place. <laughs> Perfect. So just in case people oh. are like, oh, like I, <laughs> I wonder if I have a website. <laughs> she does. And, and so you just go onto the website and you can apply and I have questions. Uh, and, and how do you get it funded and like what happens if it doesn't get paid back just so I can... And everyone well, out there can understand kind of yeah. the working of it because it's yeah. extraordinary and very out of the box. Yeah. Well, with Kara, I told her that she can set whatever timeline of paying it back because when the money recycles back to me, then I can put it back into the fund and then fund another program or project. Or if someone wants to do Dana Foglia's program or Galen's or Gigi's, if it's anything like anything truly, then that money will kind of go back and, and be able to be recycled. But I let them. It's There's no interest. There's no intention other than people have paid it forward to me in generosity. Mm. And it's only... It's, it is my responsibility and right and honor to be able to do that for someone else. But I'm also very clear in the sense that I love and appreciate my struggle. In Chicago, 100% of the time for me was struggle and crying in the bathroom because at that period of my life, I gave all of my validation to my director and to other people and how they saw me. And if they thought that I was a good dancer, then that qualified as me being a good person. If they didn't see me as a good dancer, it affected how I viewed myself as a human being. Uh, and so that kind of dark period of time, as they say, you you can't necessarily know the light unless you also know the dark. They, they coexist. And so that was a dark period in my life that taught me struggle and fight and hustle uh, and, and how to surmount. And I wouldn't take that away from me for a single day. And I don't want to take that away from anybody else either. And so in this program, I am also very intentional that it's not like swooping in or saving the day or anybody, you know, that, that nobody owes me anything. I only have the intention that when it's the right time and for the right person, when they just need that, that little bit of support or somebody, and Kara even said that even just somebody that is listening and somebody out there that supports and mm. I can only hope that my life is that. And I think the more that I practice yoga, the more that I meditate, the clearer that I am of my purpose on this planet. And it is not with ego and it's not with this agenda of something that I'm trying to get something or go somewhere it really is that there is something in my spirit that has to be done on this planet and and it very much feels like it's the manifestation of all of these things micro loans for dancers teaching yoga sitting with someone when they're a dancer in this industry and they don't necessarily have someone that they can trust to talk to. Mm-hmm. That, to me, is is living my purpose on this planet. And um, to bring this very beautiful, and to bring it back to where I cut in on the, but I only raised $150, mm-hmm. what was uh, her response? She, or how did that turn out? She had said, she's like, oh my gosh, like, of course. And, and so uh, it... Uh, it was my own kind of fear of not being enough that there are so many narratives that within the yogic perspective, it's called samskara. It's kind of this like 
pattern that you habituate over and over again. But it's also within neuroscience of why we kind of have these repetitive thought patterns. And so it takes someone to see and observe that exists of, oh, my primary thought if I interact with someone is that, oh, they don't like me. And so, or that this person looks like my ex-boyfriend. And so like he must have all the qualities of, uh, and, and it's observing that those things exist. And then knowing that they're not true, that they, they're um, figmentations of the imagination. So we can shift and, and make different decisions, different thought patterns. And just like if you were to walk down a forest that doesn't really have a path, and you walk it once and walk it five times, walk it a hundred times, that path gets really clear. It's the same thing with synapses in the brain and the firing of information from one cell to another. The more you think anything, the stronger that, that pathway becomes, but you can shift it. And that's even with their studies of epigenetics and understanding how even our representation of genes and DNA, which they thought that's your DNA and that's just how it is, with epigenetics, which is a newer study, is showing that there there is shift based on our environment. There can be shift, and even in the composition of the brain, they had done a study on um, Himalayan monks who meditate for 15 hours a day for long periods of time, and the amygdala in their brain, and the amygdala is the place of like fight or flight and fear response. For them, it had shrunk on a brain scan and so if they're meditating on human kindness on compassion and the response within their brain that is associated to fear and fight or flight is now smaller other areas of their brains had thickened in gray matter that even shows in a, like a compositional way we can change our brain uh, and it's just a kind of a easy offshoot if we can change our thoughts it's just becoming aware and so for Kiara's response or I should say my response to only $150 uh, it said there still is a narrative that I have to unravel of it not being enough and so I don't know if I've picked that up of being a woman or being in this industry or just being a human I don't know none of us are enough exactly we all have the same voice okay. in our head I think yeah and it, the industry and being a woman doesn't make it easier. <laughs> um, so how do you, if people want to donate, how can they donate? And is this based purely on donations? It, I had raised the money for, I am an ambassador at Lululemon, mm -hmm. and I asked them if I could teach meditation classes. And originally I had asked for uh, it to be a donation-based class, for the donations to go to rehab for dancers because I graduated from Loyola Marymount University for yoga therapy. Congrats! Oh, thank you! And uh, so my yoga classes have shifted a lot. It's more in kind of therapeutics and rehab. Uh, and so I, my intention was to build a fund to um, buy therabands and uh, things that you would need that are more appropriate for kind of a therapeutic setting uh, and movement lifestyle is phenomenal for so many reasons and they had a yoga budget from people buying yoga mats and so they bought therabounds for me and they bought candles and so I essentially didn't need money to buy equipment uh, and so I had gone back to Lululemon and I had asked them if the funds instead could go to this thing that I wanted to create called microloans for dancers. And they said, of course. Mm -hmm. And so that's why it was $150, because over um, 
the time that I taught classes, that's how much was raised. And I have taught for the last three years in New Year's Eve class. First year was at Core Power, the last two years were at uh, Hare Yoga. And um, the yoga director said this year that it's all clear for me to teach it again. And I'd asked her if this year, if uh, it could be a donation class. And every year it's sold out. So it's a popular class. And I asked if the donations could go to microloans for dancers, which they said yes. So continuing to uh, kind of big dream and and think outside of the box of how how can I continue to, because with Kiara, it also was, she'd asked for $1,500 and I would have loved it to be able to fully fund that. And there is a a need, uh, and if I can create the resource that, but to me, it really isn't, she is full already, yeah. uh, and I, and this goes into maybe another tangential topic, but I, the work that I've been doing for a while has been clearing the vessel, and I've heard, so back to Saul Williams, he had said in acting school that you learn to be a vessel for the universe to flow through, and I watch a lot of different talks with a lot of different people, but a lot within the hip-hop culture and dynamic, and Pharrell was interviewing Spike Lee, and Pharrell had On said... On what? Where do I find it? <laughs> On YouTube. Uh, and Pharrell had said, I don't want to be the coldest ice cube in the glass, I just want to be the straw. And Spike Lee had said, that's the muse. And so essentially, and this, uh, I don't think that I'm making this up, I, I believe that those that they're just tapped in there's something of some artists entrepreneurs CEOs that are on the stratosphere of understanding something that's not as logical as this is a cushion and this is a desk and it's just that but they understand energy and that when you open yourself up that things that are much bigger than even your greatest dreams can flow through but it's, it's opening yourself up and so a lot of the work that I've been doing is, uh, you know, seeing and observing the mental roadblocks, the bricks that I put in my own way, and then clearing over and over again so I can be a clear vessel, so that that universe, that having faith that what is meant for me will happen, I just have to continue to do my own spiritual work. Mm. There's a couple of things that you touched on that I'm curious about. First... The instinct to leave Michigan. Can you speak a little bit about instinct? I definitely have a theme in my life, as you probably know, of when is it my gut that I'm listening to or my higher self, and when is it a reaction or something else? So how can we discern what to listen to? I think in the beginning for me, it was, and it still at times is more challenging to uh, discern what is my gut and what is the, because I'm an analytical mind, I can... I can truly uh, argue my way completely in one direction, the next day completely in the other. Same. <laughs> Same. It's maddening. Yeah, and people around you will be convinced of it. Uh, They'll agree with you with oh, whatever yeah. you're fighting. Because you're very convincing. <laughs> we convince ourselves. Uh, yeah. And, and I, I don't necessarily know if maybe in time that part of the process will eventually alleviate because still when I'm making a big decision, for example, uh, I had the opportunity to fly to New York. Well, at first it started with 
oh gosh, let me back up even further. These are amazing stories. Yeah. So I think maybe everyone on the planet knows I love Beyonce. <laughs> and if they don't, yeah, now they do. Yeah, they do. That one person that yeah. somehow lives with the rock and does not know by now that you love Beyonce. Yeah. Now they do. And so I was in a teacher training with my teacher, Annie Carpenter, and I had gotten an email from a student, and this is my Maria Yoga Gmail. I don't check as often as my personal email, but I had been working with a new client, and so I had just checked it just to make sure that I you know, didn't receive anything from her that she wanted to set up a session. And we had a two-hour break between this training. And so I'd gone on, and one of my students had said, hey, I have an extra ticket to the Beyonce concert. Do you want to go? And I was a puddle on the floor. (laughs) I said, of course. And that night I knew that I taught at Sony, and so I wasn't sure if me being late was okay and uh, if, you know, it was kind of so almost like the dream handed to you, almost like too amazing to be real. And so I had, I said, yes, but I'm, you know, teaching and if it's okay, late, he said, yeah, it's really fine. Just when you go, go to roll call and say that you're on Matthew Knowles' guest list. And I said, mm. Papa Knowles? <laughs> yeah. Daddy? <laughs> and so I got, it was amazing. And the next day, I got an email from Felicia, who's the editor for LA Yoga, and I write for LA Yoga, and she had said someone had pitched uh, an idea to interview Ebony Williams. She's one of the Beyonce dancers on her current tour. Again, I was a puddle on the floor, and uh, I said, of course, and she had given a deadline, which is a little bit, it didn't give as much time, and she's like, you know, like, I know that you're busy with this training, and um, if it's too much, just let me know, and I said, I will move mountains to make this happen uh and so it was supposed to be a phone interview because ebony is traveling and and also from new jersey and there was something inside of me that said go and so i asked if it were okay if i flew there and so logically it's more personal to interview someone face to face when i also like to record so that when i transcribe i have something to listen to and get their exact words as opposed to my chicken scratch of I get most of the words but not all of them and if I'm quoting somebody I have to get exactly what they said for my own ethical code and so to be on the phone and to try and record it and to try and have some type of like personal connection so it's not just kind of like answering stock questions to me the the logical question would be to go, but it, it also, it was on my own dime, so it um, would have been way easier. Let's Which is, like, just so everyone knows, that is from, like, usually 400 500 bucks. Yeah. It can be more. If it's, can I ask how much it was? It, well, this is also the universe. Uh, I have, I work with a private lesson person, and I had the opportunity to go to the White House in April for the Easter egg roll, and, and I came to private lesson, and, and so, um, she had said like how are you doing and and usually I I you know it's it's about that person and so I don't bring really anything about my personal life uh but it is it's also an interesting conversation because sometimes when you're human with someone Mm -hmm. it allows them to be human and to to be able to be all of the renditions of emotion and energy but kind of knowing knowing the boundary as well Mm -hmm. so I just said I had this opportunity you know to go to the White House but it's super last minute and she said no you have to go Mm -hmm. and she said I have frequent flyer miles use them 
go. And so I'd gone to the White House, and that day Beyonce and Jay-Z were there. I didn't see them, they were there in the morning. But it was with an after-school teen program that I worked with in Chicago called Gallery 37. Uh, and those teens, again, it's coming back to hip-hop when I was drawn to it as a kid of a lot of people that have so much potential in gallery there are these teens that are just stunning innovators and voices and dancers that are just beautiful in their spirit and when I so part of gallery 37 is in a physical space and part of it is you go to different high schools and I had gone to Hyde Park, and we were there on the first day, and my cell phone got stolen. The second day, my laptop computer got stolen. Damn. It, when was this? What? Oh, when was this? When was this? This was 2011 or 2012. Okay, so giving background. Cool. Yeah. I'm trying to connect it to just so I understand and keeping yeah. track. The client that you went to yes. that flew you to D.C. on their miles, this was in the past. This is separate from... Yes. Yeah, this was the this past, uh, Yes, this was this past uh, April that I went to the White House, and then, what, like two weeks ago? But she had given me her frequent flyer miles again, so that's how it Oh, goes. got it, okay. But just to finish up the story with Gallery, is when my computer got installed, we had gone to the front desk, and mm. uh, one of the people said, you have to treat all of them like they're criminals. And I thought, if this is the climate that you're coming up, you're not doing anything wrong, but if the the higher-ups of the administration already see you as a felon or a criminal, like, and you also don't have very much money, and people think that you're going to do it anyway, it just is bad energy all around, and it doesn't set people up for success. But Gallery 37 is giving an alternative. You see the potential in these teens, and they're getting training in culinary arts, in media, in dance. Uh, we were a hip-hop dance and culture ensemble, but they also had one that worked with Joffrey, and so teens from all over the city of Chicago, and they got a stipend to be in the program, oh, wow. and some of the teens would pay their parents' light bill with the stipend that they are getting. So you have people that are big dreaming and super talented getting the tools that they need the soft and hard skills of how do I interview how do I fill out a college application because sometimes if you have a single mom that's working all the time and your dad isn't around and your counselor you know and you don't go to school that like is necessarily you know thinking you're on that kind of track and the person at the front desk thinks you're a criminal anyway like so there aren't always uh, these people that are in a space to be of service to you to kind of help for as long as you need get to where you're going to go uh and I think that that's I'm consistently pulled back to those kind of narratives of filling and fueling myself what I need not to fill and fuel myself but so that I have the capabilities to do... What is the point of learning anything if you don't do something with it? Or having resource when you don't do something with it? You can sit on millions of what are you doing? Do something with your life. So I'd flown to interview her, and the... I don't know if it was agent or publicist that I was talking with, but her name was January. She had said that the interview got changed from uh, New Jersey at Ebony's home to this warehouse. And so in my mind, I thought, because twice my life of dance for Beyonce, it was the Oprah finale in Chicago. And then a few days later, or like that, that end of week, it was the Billboard Awards when she got Woman of the Millennium. We did the Who Run the World. And when 
maybe it was like a Monday or Tuesday, I got a text message that said, be at this warehouse, this address at 9.15 on Friday. That was it. And it was from one of Beyonce's people. And so when Ebony's publicist or agent had said, be at this warehouse, I thought, am I walking into a Beyonce rehearsal? (laughs) And so I had gone to the warehouse and I had gone in and I opened the door and it was this huge space and there were about seven dancers. They were in a corner uh, warming up and doing improv stuff. And... Like, again, like the like nervousness, the same nervousness of when I was in Michigan about to get on a bus with one suitcase going to Chicago, the same nervousness of when Lola and I were talking on the phone before China, because China... Lola, again, the dancer, and also she choreographed for the tour that you were on in China. Mm-hmm. Yes. There we go. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who I love in Chicago. Hey, Lola! I love you, Lola. <laughs> <laughs> She's... I didn't like China, but I came out with a best friend. Yes. So for that, I love and give gratitude to China. But we were in, we existed in the same Chicago scene, but we didn't know each other. Mm -hmm. We knew of each other. So I was talking to her on the phone uh, before we were deciding to China. And and I said, I don't know, there's so many like unknowns and the contract and the, are we going to LA? And she had said, I know, but I would, if I didn't do it, I would always wonder what if. And so it's that same kind of like nervous pull that made me say, okay, I'm in it with you. We're going to do this. Mm-hmm. And, and now I've seen it so many times of something that's so big and so extraordinary that makes me so nervous inside. And I have to. And so going back to your question of gut, it I think that back and forth of like, is it right? Is it not? I appreciate that because it it gives something for my logical mind. So I'm making what is good, but a good decision logically. It's not just kind of jumping off a cliff without a parachute. Right. uh, But it's still jumping off a cliff when you have a parachute. Right. And, uh, And I know when to jump when I have that gut inside that is so very clear. And so it's kind of making amends with the the mental logistics and all of that stuff. And it might even be the universe, you know, with its own timing. I have to kind of feel out this and and question this and make sure that this isn't alignment. And this isn't, but I still have to jump. Or like, do I? And then it also gives time for the universe to work out other things. And when it's the right time and I feel it, I now viscerally feel it. Yeah. jump. I guess we get more clear in it. So you're in the rehearsal, yes. and you walk in, and oh, you're yes. like, oh my goodness. <laughs> so what, <laughs> what happened? Um, so I had walked around, and I sat there on a set of stairs next to where they were rehearsing, and it was just a few of them, and Beyonce was not there. But I also didn't want to, like, stare at them, because that was awkward. So I pulled out my book, and, and I started reading, and there was, like, a production guy that had walked by, and he's like, hey, like, do you guys want the heat on? And I was like, I don't know. <laughs> and, and so he's like, okay, because he thought that I was just one of the dancers just sitting and reading a book. And then there was another gentleman from her camp that had come, and he, he knew what was up. And so he's like what's your name? <laughs> and I said, Maria. And he said, well, what are you here for? I said, well, I'm here to interview Ebony. And he said, well, who's your contact? And I said, January. He said, hey, ladies, <laughs> if you know a January. And now all of the girls turn around and look at me. <laughs> and Ebony and I don't know each other yet. And so Ebony was the one that was leading the like warm-up and improv. And she said, oh, January wasn't supposed to tell you to meet me here. She was supposed to say, like, hold off, and we would find another location. And she had said, 
well, maybe, I mean, like, I get, and, and so she's like, well, maybe we can go in. And so we went into this side room that had another side hallway, and so we sat there, and I said, I understand this world, and I don't want to put any pressure on you, and I just want this to be as easy as possible. So if it means that I interview just for a few minutes, for five minutes, for ten, whatever you feel comfortable with. And so we sat there for half an hour, and her publicist or agent had prior to this asked, you know, can you send me a list of questions? And I had said, for me, honestly, when I interview artists, I just like for them to tell their story because if it's, if they want to tell the part of their narrative of how they came up or their struggle and their, how they've surmounted and gotten to where they are, or if they want to tell about the people in schools and their lives or training or where they want to go, but for them to to express what they want within their own story to me is it it can get to a place where I by contrived questions can't ever get to and so I still wrote all of my questions for publicists and sent them but then when I was sitting with her I said essentially the same thing whatever you want people to know about you and I said I've read a lot of your articles and she's in dance magazine has and like Boston newspaper and like she's in all of these different places and is kind of like hitting the stratosphere of success and so a lot of those articles are about like accolade after accolade which is stunning and fantastic and I said if you want that included 100% it can be there but whatever you want to tell me whatever you whatever and whoever you are and what you want the world to know about you that's what I'm interested in and, and so I read her my questions. I said, you can answer some of them or all of them. I said, the, the most interesting one to me, at least, on like a personal level, is like, what will your legacy be? And she was so open mm-hmm. and so down to earth and so real. And it was, it was looking at another human being tell their story. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I think that this is again it's kind of living into my purpose I can only hope to like work as hard as I can to properly describe the gift that she gave me in telling her story and it yet again was a person my mom was a single mom and she didn't have money to put me in dance classes as a kid so I wasn't I didn't start until as much later and in a similar narrative her neighbor was in dance classes would come home and teach her oh wow Um, and she had such a natural knack for it and it's uh, in listening to her story it's there's a steve jobs quotation that says you don't see how all the dots connect until you look in retrospect but all the dots do connect she was made for that Mm. and i know for me you know dancing with two excess and directing dancing with boom crack in chicago dancing for beyonce these that wasn't my arrival these were plot points to get me to where I am now in the sense of supporting dancers in health and wellness and spirituality and dance I love it it's not my path Mm. but being some angel or (laughs) guide or listening ear for someone who their greatest dream is dancing for Beyonce. Their greatest dream is going on tour to be some small part of the support system uh, for them to be able to actualize their excellence. That is my purpose on this planet. That's wonderful. And I feel like not enough light is shown, shine, shown 
shine. Shed. 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 <laughs> you know what I mean. On everything around the dancer. Uh-huh. And even like the teaching world, there's just so many different ways to be an educator and then to be support. It's huge. So I definitely want to actually get more now into this health, wellness, and spirituality. But before I do so, why Beyonce? I so before I danced for her in Chicago, I didn't listen to Beyonce really. Like obviously she existed, but I listened to Nas and Mostef and Tyler mm-hmm. Polly, and those were the people in styles and sounds and intellectual hip hop, conscious hip hop. Those were the things that I got down with, and it wasn't until we were in rehearsal and she had walked in and it was she was so graceful and and there was a presence and an aura about her and when she was in rehearsal there wasn't anyone telling her oh you should do this you should do this she was creating the vision uh, and there was so much strength met with so much grace and so I think that was kind of the seed and it wasn't kind of this like full-blown fan from that point but it was kind of a slow and steady process of seeing another human being that that have it's almost uh i strength and grace aren't light and dark they're not one or the other but i think that light and dark they complement each other so well and they illuminate each other the struggle illuminates the success and the strength if gone to extreme can be aggressive and angry and brutal and violent and the grace gone too far can be passive and malleable and lose your voice Uh, but it's those two energies coming together where you can essentially become the phoenix and and from the ashes you can rise to this to whatever that flight for your journey looks like and so I see that so clearly in her and so it's also within her music it feels uh, there are not many things that make me cry but on a consistent basis especially with her last album and maybe because uh there there's so much um I guess feeling within the lyrical content and in the creation of uh even like the musical patterning there, there is a story and a narrative within uh, that visual album, but I feel it inside my soul, and I think that's with any artistry that I'm attracted to, is that it speaks from soul to soul, and I think that's that's why she's been a consistent image or person or entity in my life, because she is an exemplar of that. Mm. of grace and strength but also something there's a Nas album called It Was Written and it for me almost feels like there are things that are outside of my vocabulary to explain but there is something that feels like it was written Mm. I I love it I can't I wish I had like another sentence for when I love something because it's (laughs) just all the time I say it but it's because I do Uh I love to touch on because it's so much fun for me to listen to your journey to LA I love that story and I I'm so happy that I got to like witness it in real time because that's also really juicy for me to always see those updates yeah well we had done a three-month tour in China and before that I had wrapped everything up in Chicago in case I wanted to go back or I decided not to go back but I had tied loose ends which 
similar to leaving Ann Arbor and it being heartbreaking at that time. I was working with uh, the Neutral Zone, which is an after-school teen program, and I was working with a group called North Star and these stunning young women that were from freshmen to seniors in high school that uh, essentially were coming together where in high school you might not ever talk to this other person Mm -hmm. uh, but because of this program we did self-defense courses and brought in uh, women entrepreneurs and had real conversations about sex and drugs and things that you might not feel comfortable asking your parent about or having that conversation but that having it peer-to-peer sometimes when you're in high school is you kind of need some more information and so to be a facilitator of a program like that where you're essentially just a little bit older you're like an older sister so they can relate to you but you're also not in it with them Uh, and so you can hold space for them to figure out and find their answers and and their path in going through puberty and so being so connected to those specific girls to leave that to go to Chicago was probably one of the greatest heartbreaks that I've ever experienced. Um, But it, again, was the pull of the soul that I I knew it had to happen. And the same thing with Chicago when I was with Gallery 37, this, like, great thing that was going on with these teens and feeling so much of service that whatever geeky, nerdy, quirky things that I had to offer (laughs) were um, of some benefit to this community that I love so much. but China, it, it almost was the same kind of thing of it was written, I had to. And there was all of that, when you said like, when do you know it's your gut? When do you know? It was the same thing of like, but da 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 da, all these things of not knowing if this was the right decision, but then eventually feeling this, this is just the way you gotta go. Mm-hmm. And China was really hard uh, and I didn't enjoy the experience. Um, but it again, you no. guys, sorry, just oh, yeah. be careful, everyone. When you go, especially to a different country, when you hop on a plane, don't be afraid to, even if you're not represented by an agent, have an agent maybe look it over and, you know, pitch to them, you know, hey, I'm happy to give you 10%, let's work together. But be really careful, because I also had very mixed experiences with China, and I did have an agent at the time, but I, I didn't utilize it properly, and I was so afraid to, th- this might be a different podcast episode, <laughs> I was so polite a lot of the time and I all you know spoke up on some things but it's really I had an experience where like you know we can do better as dancers and um it's just a different beast once you're on a different soil mm-hmm. so I'll be that broad right now and knowing what currency you're getting paid in oh no mm-hmm. so they said so, but <laughs> there's so many jerky things that we were we dealt with the same not on, in America but it was the same just to clarify and be completely respectful I went with an awesome artist and a great team and it was just over there we had different management and that management didn't respect business the way that we do it over here so we didn't get paid what we were told we didn't get the conditions that we were told and you know yeah but I got a best friend out of it. Yeah, and I got I got some amazing friendships. Uh, which might also be a plot point of why we're here yes, today. Yes, exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'll trade it. And so after, I mean, so I had three months in China where when I had left Chicago, I thought, you know, this is, moving to L.A. is is a dream, but it's kind of really big and it's, 
I've been there a bunch of times before training, but moving people had said that LA is filled with sharks and that you can't trust anybody Mm -hmm. and being someone who I am very sensitive to energy and uh, I am also very real and so the potential of moving into a place where you have to be a facade and that just your everyday comportment was uh, maybe some of the the narrative of like are you sure this is for you but the three months in China gave me a lot of time to think and so Yet again, I had one suitcase, and we had, let, we had gone from Shanghai to L.A., and my connecting flight was I supposed to be back story. to Chicago. I love this story. And I had some sequined costumes <laughs> and some leggings <laughs> and, and my one suitcase, and I just didn't get on the connecting flight, and I stayed. And then I went, I took my suitcase, and I took a yoga class and a dance class, and then <laughs> I went to, and for about a year, I lived with two gentlemen who were super, super nice, and I lived on their couch. For the first few months, I was on a couch, and then by the grace of the universe, my friend gave me uh, a bed, and they allowed me in this, like, interim space between the kitchen and the living room. They let me set oh up this, God, like, this bed. Yeah. How did you know them? Uh, so the very first time when I was in Michigan of going to LA, I, the night before, I didn't have a place to stay. The night before I was on Facebook and I had messaged Deboshes, who I don't know so well. And and he lived in LA and I'd said, if you know of anyone, he's like, I'll check around. And he said, oh, my two friends, you know, have this extra room, like if you want to, or they have a couch. And, and so two people that didn't know me at all and they were super, super cool. It, um, it's yet again, people, so just like the microloans for dancers, people coming in at just the right time. They didn't take the struggle away from me, but they gave me a resource that I needed to go further. Yeah. And I didn't have that ability to do that on my own. That's incredible. So coming around to health, wellness, and spirituality, (laughs) I think I'll start broadly. What, okay, for all the stress and strain that we put on our bodies and our spirits and everything as dancers, what do you recommend, A, for training in addition to dance alongside with it, and that may include yoga or different types of physical practices, and what do you recommend in terms of recovery and recuperation? and rest I think it all depends on what styles you're doing and what styles maybe you're tapping into for if it's like a few months six months if you're maybe a contemporary dancer but you're doing more hip-hop for a while Mm -hmm. trying to kind of become more rounded I think that your your off not off season off hours training has to be different based on the work that you're doing more regularly but I shadow a physical therapist in Encino at Fusion Arts Physical Therapy and she and I asked her what are the most common injuries for dancers and she said it's it really is dependent on the work that you're doing because a ballet dancer will see much more prevalence of injury within ankles and the feet a tapper same thing ankles and knees for uh, hip-hop it's shoulders and neck which makes so much sense to me because being on that side of things for hip-hop and jazz funk, that's where I feel all of my funk and my stress is in my shoulders and my neck. And so depending on what styles you're doing, if it is, so for example, for hip-hop and jazz funk, uh, I would, I mean, maybe all forms, I swear by body work, getting regular massage and making that just... What kind of massage? How often? I get it every week. 
Mm-hmm. And uh, there are amazing Jayin, <laughs> who is a massage therapist and who is also a dancer. He has uh, his chair and movement lifestyle every week, and he also does private lessons and will go to your home. And he's extraordinary and will unlock stress from your forearms or from your jaw. And then to me, it's, it is this kind of like trifecta of for my body is body work, uh, which is yoga, meditation, dance, uh, and well, also proper sleep. <laughs> Can we talk about sleep? I'm chance. obsessed with sleep. I'm obsessed with the concept. I feel it's like so underrated, and we're given all these like pats on the back almost for uh, not oh, yeah. sleeping and like no days off. But uh, I don't buy it anymore. And I think I was listening to a podcast today, and this one was talking about also like work addiction. Mm-hmm. And how, you know, nobody talks about the rest that you need. So how much sleep should you be getting? Or is it different for every person? Uh, it might be. I think it's different for every person. I used to vibe on the Nas lyric that said sleep is the cousin of death. And when I was in Chicago, I would <laughs> sleep very little and I just hustled. And I remember hearing once that Martha Stewart slept for four hours a night. So I was like, well, yeah. if she can do it, then I can do it too. And maybe that functioned for me when I was in my early mid-20s. Now it would not. I So again, last week or the week before, when I had... Uh, flown to New York to interview Ebony and I'd come back so I flew out Monday morning interviewed her Tuesday flew back Wednesday morning and so that doesn't kind of give your body very much time to acclimate and then Thursday and Friday I didn't sleep at all and Friday or Wednesday Thursday didn't sleep Friday took Denzel's class and I was stretching before class and I was stretching in his class when he was stretching us and I had kind of gotten too extra about it and my hamstring had uh, cramped and they had contracted wouldn't let go for two days Uh. and so it to me and what I do is like okay well why why is that and and realizing how my lack of sleep had contributed to that and I asked my friend who is a nurse and she said well yeah you're not sleeping not prop not properly giving yourself rest and it this is also kind of going into the parasympathetic nervous system state where you can rest digest and heal uh she said your hormones are then off your immune system there's so many things within the systems of your body that aren't able to optimally function so if you're trying to become the best dancer and reach your greatest dreams but you're not fueling yourself with proper nutrition uh with a sleep schedule with even hours the day to unpack the mental clutter Mm -hmm. of whatever we pick up during the day uh i think that's just as integral and important as taking a dance class that's the thing too is one of the doctors (laughs) in yoga therapy at loyola he had said there's an 80 20 rule 80 percent of the times you do you do your good stuff 20% of the time you live your life so with nutrition (laughs) with sleep with anything because otherwise it's too rigid and it becomes like perfectionistic Uh, and either like you're doing well or like you're not doing it at all and I mentor dancers at Movement Lifestyle and every dancer is so very different that I've mentored and the very first he is so 
extraordinary so many different things I think this happens a lot with dancers that are really good at multiple things and so you could do this and yes. this and this and then you think of all the things in your day that you can do and you implode because <gasps> <That's> me yeah <laughs> because it's almost so overwhelming that it seems like well I'm just gonna sit on the couch and <laughs> that's me yeah and so for, for him we like feng shuied his life oh, and just wow. got things to kind of like line himself and, but what I had said is that like let's create a schedule that is manageable for you and we can continue to tinker with it but also if it doesn't happen you can't beat yourself up you do the best that you can and then you wipe your hands that's so awesome um okay what I will say about sleep though what I've been trying which has been working is I've made it priority so I just I stop making those half promises to go out at night Mm -hmm. um unless it's like you know like a birthday or whatever you know So I make that the priority and I figure out there's always going to be like a night where you just get bad sleep because or something really fun comes up that you absolutely want to go to. And then I leave that like time, that bad night of sleep for then. And I found it just functioned better. Like my body's cool getting one bad night of sleep. Mm -hmm. But when I get a few in a row, it'll affect me like one to two weeks down the line. Uh, Yeah. So I'm going to go more specific for the dancer who is because I want everyone to be served. But like, you know. Mm -hmm. We, we, we're on a time limit. <laughs> so let's say it's a dancer. Let's say jazz, funk, hip-hop. Uh-huh. Maybe getting in some ballet and jazz as well, but they're in the, you know, higher impact, preparing for music videos, mm-hmm. tour. You never know what's going to happen. So, you know, maybe that person is at the gym a few days a week at least, and they're in many classes. Mm-hmm. And then at any given moment, they're going to be in now an eight-hour rehearsal. Mm-hmm. What would you recommend to that person? Because I know so many people that go so hard to balance it out with recovery, rest. Like, what are different things that you recommend? And what about days off, in your opinion? Yeah. Yoga. Yeah, okay, <laughs> I'm yoga. I'm poster for no, some yoga. No, I completely agree. Yoga, how often? What kind of yoga? I, to be honest, I mean, I am a very habitual person, and so I practice every day. But, I mean... Within a yoga practice is maybe like saying dance class. Like it could be many different things. You could have a fitness yoga class. You could have a therapeutic, and therapeutic can be strong. Therapeutic can be gentle. Therapeutic truly is tailored and specified to your body and what you need. Uh, but for someone, I mean, this can even be for a jumper and ballet to have strong quads that are matched with strong hamstrings. And this is why I'm a little bit reticent to answer the question because it's yeah. so contingent, not even on the dance style, but the body. Because if you are a very mobile person, if your hamstrings are quite long and you are constantly stretching and stretching and stretching and you could be stretching into your attachment and so how many gajillion dancers I have known that have hamstring attachment tears or pulls because they're so mobile and it's not met with strength and so uh, strong quads strong hamstrings so you have the uh, agonist and antagonist the the front Mm -hmm. muscles and back muscles that they are equally mobile and strong so they're supporting really important things like the knees and so because hip-hop often can be aggressive with the legs having strength in the muscles that are surrounding the knees can be really helpful so it's not um joint loading or the the bones running into each other the stronger your muscles are the less impact it is and i had listened to someone within biomechanics that had said uh essentially 
that the, your muscles are shock absorbers, that if uh, you're running or jumping, that when you are on, that you when you impact the ground, that the stronger your muscles are, the less the femur will run into the patella mm. or the less it will run into the tibia and fibula. So be, being able to have that almost like when you watch basketball players, they're very, very strong, but they're also nimble and light. Mm-hmm. So to me, yoga gives the, the potential. Yoga can potentially give you the balance of those things. Just like a dance class, I'm also very conscious of who I'm taking from because it can turn into many different things. And sometimes, uh, you know, even like a yoga class for dancers can turn into almost like a contortion, which is fantastic. Yeah. And it definitely has the potential of allowing you, if you if you want to be a circ dancer and, and kind of need that hypermobility, uh, it's just not what I offer anymore. And where, when I first started, the, it was more closely to that of the feats of the human body now my work is in therapeutics so that you're able to do those things and be able to walk when you're 60. Ooh, and I have a question for my I call them gummy bears my flexible students mm-hmm. I know that I've had friends that have had injuries because they're not stretching the muscle they're getting into the ligament and tendon yeah how can you what do you recommend for like super stretchy people who might not be getting into the muscle strength strength and how yeah. do you build that strength and if you say yoga I totally buy it just so everyone knows it's totally fine yeah uh it's a uh, it's all with intention yeah because you can go plank to down dog very um quickly or even moderately slowly but if you're not engaging the right kind of ways wrapping the triceps back like there are so many nuanced ways to access finite muscles turn on the stabilizing muscles where maybe the quads are really really strong in your body and so they're overpowering Mm -hmm. the hamstrings so how do you retrain muscles to be able to work as their primary function so that they're not pulling on other muscles so that they're not outperforming other muscles and then the body is imbalanced because of it and so I truly do think that you can do that in yoga the teacher that I study under Andy Carpenter used to dance for Martha Graham Mm -hmm. and so she's very very specific and very seeing and very aware and so she'll say roll your lesser trochanter to the back wall and so the fact of you have an entire room of 40 people because she is such a great teacher how she teaches you not only the shape, how to be in the shape of your own body, the bones, what's working, that everybody in a room will know what rollier lesser trochanter means and will do it. Do you have any recommendations for dancers to get, and I'm huge on this, and you know, I'm a personal trainer and I work a lot with conditioning dancers, and I see the more I learn, the more I see that I don't know and there's more to learn. Do you have any recommendations on books or any, uh, yeah, any material so that dancers can learn more about their anatomy and musculature and, you know, how to take care of themselves? Mm-hmm. I was a really booky kid growing up. Mm-hmm. and Or resources, and seminars, resources. anything. I think it's finding people like you and me, honestly. Uh, and so although probably up through high school, my, like greatest safe place was with a book hold in a corner probably also with a dictionary next to me so I could look up oh I love it I think that we would have been like we are and we would have been the best of friends in school (laughs) yeah I truly do think that being with dance to excess I transitioned from 
being with books to being with people mm. and and realizing how how much better life is when you share it with other people and you allow people to be a part of your life and so that like very introverted person that still is there sees the greater benefit of witnessing somebody else's life and being a part of their narrative and letting them be a part of yours um, and I remember even Lola had said in our China trip, we took lots of walks around lots of places, and she had said sometimes people just need to be needed. And she taught me a lot of what it, what it was to be in someone else's life, to allow someone else to be in your life and not be, I can do this alone, I don't mm-hmm. need anybody else. Which, <laughs> that, that's such a common voice, that lone wolf uh-huh. thing. Yeah. I laugh at it because I come from the school of lone wolf. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm like, that's such BS, you know, we develop it as a young child and decide we're not understood and not connected and, uh, you know, create a life around it. And it's like, no, we're all very connected. So I'd like to draw for the audience, again, this straight parallel, not straight parallel, a straight line. So you picked up and went to Chicago, worked in Chicago, you went to China, got off on the way to Chicago to LA people need to know because it just said you're so effective and you're so wonderful to um be in the room with and I I remember you having a strong practice in China and offering us free classes when we were happened to be staying in the same place and like that's who you are people have to understand like you are moving and then all these things are places that you know now they are part of the journey but it's not like they made your journey you are on it and what you know you you've been working with so many dancers what do you think dancers need the most that they're not getting to put it simply (laughs) to connect to themselves to connect to themselves authentically because when you connect to your source of who you are and that authenticity the universe opens if you are playing a role of this i want to be in judge a i want to be in this person's piece and then changing your personality or your look and I understand that you have to cut your hair you have to do all these things you know if you are you know trying to book Ariana Grande like I get that but not changing the authenticity of who you are and I think that when you're able to connect to that we're no longer lost anymore and sometimes I see some lost souls and I was a lost soul because again I was giving my validation to someone else to tell me about myself to give me you know tell me that I'm a good person whereas that that power can only come from I know I'm a good person uh when I listen to myself I know what I'm supposed to do those answers are already there and so I think that that's the greatest um, advice that I could give any human on this planet is listen to yourself and that that voice inside that in the alchemist will say the same thing that your heart always knows and it's uh, within the alchemist perspective of uh, that as we get older we sometimes get taught out of it's it's more prudent to become a baker than to, to wander and travel around the world and so some people will become a baker and if you're not listening to your heart's greatest desires or personal legend then your heart stops speaking so loudly because it doesn't want to cause you suffering but you're not living your path and I've forever been a wanderer and I, I maybe let other voices tell me what I should be doing until I realize that the strongest voice I have is inside my own heart. Mm. And so 
for a dancer, an artist, a human being to listen to that, you already know. Mm. What's most special about working with dancers? They're my heart and soul. (laughs) There's like a a whole experience that I have when I work with dancers, which I'm not going to say because I don't want it to impact your answer. That's your answer. That they're your heart and soul. It, it just feels right. Yeah. There, there are some things that, again, I can logically explain and I can give a billion reasons why uh, they make sense, but it just feels right. There's something inside of me, just like sitting with Ebony and <laughs> <laughs> answers. It just, it just feels right. When you're with someone, it's the same thing when people talk about when they meet the love of their life. Mm. You just know. And is there something that dancers don't normally see for themselves that you can see from where you're standing? Mm-hmm. What is that? Confidence. I can see the potential when, when they can't. And in a similar way, when you said, like, I don't want to affect your, your response, but in a similar way, it's, it's seeing, I see very clearly, and it's just supporting. And, and knowing also, because I'm a talker, <laughs> knowing when I just need to listen and hold space for them, for them to find the answer for themselves. I can't give it to them. It's the same thing microloans for dancers are trying to go in and save or, you know, that would be disempowering. Mm-hmm. It's, um, it really is, I see the potential and it's just creating the conditions for them to see it inside themselves. Mm. It's a hundred years from now and you're on a cloud and or chilling on the dance floor, boogieing. What do you want to be remembered for in the dance world? I cared. You cared. Which you do. <laughs> and that is so known. Is there anything else that I haven't asked you or anything else you wanted to bring up? Where can we catch you? Where can we take your classes? Uh, all of my classes and schedule are on my website, www.mariamarjayoga.com. Also Yoga for Dancers, also Yoga for Beyonce.com. And it's for the number four? Mm-mm. Or F-O-R? F-O-R. F-O-R, got it. Uh, and... I'm at Movement Lifestyle and Debbie Reynolds. Shout out um, to ML and Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. Love or those Yoga for Dancers and also Meditation for Dancers on Fridays. I need to go, not I need to, it's a habitual thing. I cannot wait to go and take your Meditation for Dancers. I'd like to acknowledge you for coming here, taking out the time, the energy, the love <laughs> to sit down and share part of your story. You are so beautifully vulnerable and real and I actually had a quick question that I didn't get to ask where do you draw the line with your students and clients on being authentic Mm -hmm. like with whatever you're going through but also being the strength or the example that they need Mm -hmm. I so in high school I had been a part of Cheer Michigan, which was a summer cheerleading camp, and so I worked for them for eight years, and I remember because you are facilitators teaching cheerleading, gymnastics, stunting, all of that, to high schoolers, and so I remember someone had said once that teens that were coming in should really not know anything beyond your favorite color, so there was a very clear boundary and a clear role, and so I think that that has been imbued in me for a very long time of knowing how much to share and when, but also this back to the being human, and I think my best answer would be that there's something within yoga called the acharya, and there's also a guru. So a guru is someone that brings someone from darkness to light, 
and an acharya is someone who's walking the same path as you but is just a little bit further ahead mm-hmm. and i i am not a guru but i could only hope to be an acharya in the sense that i have walked this path with the teens at north star i was just a little bit older than them with the teens at gallery just a little bit older than them but still on the same path with the dancers here in la a little bit older than them, but still on the same path. So I'm not sitting in it with them. They're not privy to my anything other than being support for them. And so if my story or narrative can help uplift them or illuminate something, then it's beneficial. If it is not, then it's not appropriate. Hmm. Wonderful. So I continue my acknowledgement now. <laughs> Thank you for everything that it takes that it takes right now and that it took to come here for being an amazing friend for being so generous and I'm always aware that you have a lot going on because you are playing such a big game so I know that it really means because of the way that the relationship you have with time for you to take you know an hour plus for something for this dream of mine and the way you've been supportive and to lend yourself further to others it's just phenomenal and I'm so lucky to know you and to have you in my life and you're just such a badass like you you just you push and you make things happen and I I hope that everyone who listens gets to meet you and really understand I think part of the reason why you are so impactful is because you were so real and you've had to you've chosen to get on that bus and not know what's next and to sleep on that couch and to be humble and I'd love to have you another time even just to get into like the how do how do you approach studios like you know you're doing so many things right so you're just epic and I love you and thank you I love you you. hey guys thank you so much for listening to our dance speak podcast for inquiries suggestions comments on your favorite guests or who you'd like to see on the show please email us at dance podcast at gmail.com that's d-a-n-c-e-s-p-e-a-k-p-o-d